Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Hey, hey Soil Cousins. It's your girl, Cola B. Talking, the hostess with the mostest. And I am here. And that's that's a lot. You know, it's a lot for any of us to be here. And I'm grateful to be able to come to you and talk to you and inspire, educate. There's a lot of that that is going to be happening in this episode, in this interview. Um, I also want to be very honest. This season has encompassed more than 13 episodes and I am truly ready to get a little bit of a break as well as ready to bring you season four. So yes, yes, it's coming together. Just let's let me chill. Cause I mean, all you got to do is just listen. Oh, excuse me, honey. But for me, all the planning, all the anticipation, it's spring. So that's a whole new vibe, like literally a new vibe. We know that is literally gardening new year. You know, that is when the stage of dormancy that we talked about at the beginning of the year, back in January, we talked about that on uh, In the Spirit of a Bear Tree. All the dormancy is like it's shaking off. Things are coming back to life. Uh, House plants are starting to really spring up and, and spring forth with some new growth. So we are loving that. I'm loving that. I got some new plants. I got this incredible Monstera. Oh, she fine. You'll see her on my Instagram very soon. Remember Monstera, boo? That's still a thing and it still will be a thing. I just need to run like two things by y'all right quick before we get into this interview. I want to reiterate a point that, I mean, I have so many thoughts, so many. Who don't really? But there are thoughts that I've had and, and things that I've been wanting to share. And I love that, you know, obviously having a podcast and having this platform and talking the way that I talk. Here it is. It's happening right now. So let's get into it. So I remember growing up and watching cartoons and and especially like Disney and all that. And I know it was always a common kind of running uh, comment or not comment, but more of kind of like a criticism of Disney and just a lot of large media companies and how much they were not representing Black people and Black stories and Blackness. And I mean, I know that the Black community is not exclusively able to say that because it took quite some time before we got Mulan. Okay, <laughs> It took some time. Like you think about Disney princesses, they white. You think about white. Let's let's just let's keep it very simple because that is very true. And the truth, if I have it my way, is simple. But yeah, so I remember that being the thing. That is still a criticism that goes on to this day. But I'm past that. I'm very much over that. And I'm using that as an example to get across the point that uh, is. This whole show is the point, which is that the dissatisfaction with what was presented really just, it kind of fostered this sense of like powerlessness. 
because it is very important to people who are not represented, especially people who are not commonly represented, Black people and the whole spectrum of (laughs) non-whites, the whole spectrum. It is very important to be represented. So that is why I'm that much more proud to be doing this podcast and continuing with the amplification of Black voices as far as plants and gardening and horticulture and agriculture, just anything plant-related. As far as that's concerned, I am here for it. You know how I feel about this. I am at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with you. We here together. Thank you for joining me. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that your spring is springing just beautifully and wonderfully. I will keep you posted on all of my new ventures that are going on as I am doing some, some outdoor gardening again for the first time in a very serious and intentional manner in longer than I would like. And I'm just going to keep it real. It's like keeping the show going is quite an accomplishment for me. And it is literally history in the making because this is a show discussing the things that we discuss. I feel like I say this almost every week, but maybe it's because I'm still getting used to it. Maybe it's because low-key I'm tripping like, yo, we doing a black ass podcast about gardening, y'all. It's happening. <laughs> and in the meanwhile, I'm just doing my best to take care of all these plants that I've got as I'm getting settled into a new space. And I am also uh, momming singularly is the term that I've been using. Child, I've been doing my best. I'm saying all that to say these things. And so as I continue to build and as I continue to get clearer about where this show is going, this brand is going. Mm, Excuse me. I'm just, we gonna keep going. Y'all, y'all love me. But yo, it's, it's been quite a bit. And it's also, you probably have heard this by now. It's been a whole ass pandemic. And I'm just, I have moments of weariness. I have moments where I'm excited to just get on and talk like I'm talking right now. And there's a lot more that I want to say. There's a lot more that I want to share. There's also a lot more that I want to teach. Now go back and replace the word want with will. All right. So there's so much more that I will be teaching and getting into and sharing. And so everything is just improving. But I'm being also in this very moment, And especially in season three, just because season three has been purely pandemic. (laughs) It has been purely produced in this time. And that's all the more reason why. See, I was was telling y'all, but it's coming. I love it when it happens like this, because my case in point is the fact that this is going on and had even started right before the pandemic. It literally seals us into the history books. So this is also the last episode in 2021's Women's History Month. Here I am, a whole ass woman, a black one at that, making history in podcasting, in gardening media, in so many ways that perhaps I'm not even aware of at this moment, but I am happy and excited and proud about it. 
And if you are happy and excited and proud about it, you know what you would do? Go get a t-shirt. We still got some left. Supplies are also still limited, but we do still have some left. So go ahead to blkinthegarden.com. That link is in the show notes. Appreciate you so much. Listen, if you want to support in an ongoing, real fly, fancy way, then become a patron. That is patreon.com forward slash black in the garden. So you have multiple ways to support and I encourage you to take advantage of those ways. Now we do have this dope interview coming up with Carmion. Her story is so fly. I mean, it's the story of, of a person who was definitely aware of wanting to have things in a very particular way and also finding their purpose and and just leaning into excellence and everything unfolding in here's the word I'm looking for everything aligning in such a way where it's like everything she touched turns to gold if you're trying to book this lady good luck <laughs> if you are trying to book Carmion that might be a bit of a challenge because that's that's just how dope she is. And so I'm that much more proud to have had this conversation with her as a part of a story that we get to tell and consider and be inspired by on this episode of Black in the Garden. So I hope that you all enjoy it. And like I said, look, we started out real dope and fly and we going to continue that with all the segments and stuff. But... Where I'm at right now in season three is I am trying to keep this boat in motion to get it on docked so that your girl can relax for a moment, take a little breaky break, come back for season four. But for now, season three is still popping. This interview, very much that. And I appreciate you all very much so. Thank you for joining me on Black in the Garden. Enjoy this interview and low light and soil. Today on Black in the Garden, I am very excited to introduce you all who are not already aware to Carmion Hamilton. She is a designer and lifestyle blogger who is very much into the plants and we are going to get into the plants but first, let me welcome you. Thank you, Carmion, for coming to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am very thrilled as I was learning about your background and your education and how everything came together. We're going to unpack that in just a moment. Let's lead into it with our first question being, when did you first realize that plants were an important part of your life? I realized that plants were incredibly important. They had always been a part of my life in the background, but I didn't realize how important they were until we bought our first first home mm-hmm. three years ago. Okay, you bought your and first then home. bringing plants in to the space. You say you bought your first home, indicating that you were renting previously. But was there a disconnect when you were renting? Right. The first place we rented was far and away in Missouri. And it was right after my husband and I got married. So we got married mm-hmm. and moved out of state two days later. So 
just finding somewhere to settle was a big deal. And we lived in Missouri for a year and I never brought a plant into that space. So rented a house for over a year and didn't bring a single plant in. When we moved to Memphis right after that, I brought a few plants into our apartment, but we had the worst lighting conditions in that apartment. It was on the backside of a building with an overhang. It covered all the windows. So it was always dreadfully dark in every single space in that apartment. So every plant that I brought in, as much as I wanted it to thrive, it just didn't. And this is prior to my knowledge of anything to supplement any lighting conditions. So I killed every plant that came into that space. So I just stopped bringing them in. And we were in that apartment for almost four years. But it wasn't until we moved into our home four years ago with the most incredible natural light in every room that you walk into. The first plant that I brought in was a pothos plant. And it was the plant that I was surrounded by growing up with my parents in my parents' home. And that was the beginning of everything. That plant took off and so did every single one that I brought in. Well, you were in that dark apartment and I could see the apartment really. I couldn't, I don't know what what it looked like literally, but I could just, when you say dark and and not good lighting, I just see shadows in my mind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you know, Mm -hmm. that makes the plants very sad. Were you aware at that time that that was the issue or Did you figure that out later as you got more advanced with plant care? I knew it was the issue because I would even bring in plants like ZZ plants, Mm. like plants that should be able to withstand being in those conditions. Mm. However, I really, especially now, believe plants have a certain energy about them. Mm And they release a certain energy, but they also require a certain energy. If you have a great spirit and give to your plants that good energy and that great spirit, they will give it back to you. And in that apartment, now that I think about it, like just reflecting on this right now, those dark days, they were literally dark days. (laughs) There were a lot of tribulations in my life during that time. So that apartment was dark. Lots of things in my life were dark. Lots of points in my marriage was dark and Mm. my plants died. So I didn't I didn't have a joyfulness to give to my plants at the time and also not really giving them the attention that I give my plants now. Like I knew our apartment didn't have great lighting, but I didn't dote on my plants back then the way I do now. I couldn't keep anything alive Mm. in that place. You mentioned your parents and that pothos plant and remembering that from childhood, right? Yes. Tell us about your parents and your upbringing. Where were you brought up? I was born and raised in West Memphis, Arkansas, so not very far from where I live now. I come from a two-parent household. I have a younger sister and an older sister. My Mm -hmm. older sister is from my dad's previous relationship, Mm -hmm. but older sister. So I'm technically a middle child Mm -hmm. with older child tendencies (laughs) is how I like to describe it. But but spent all of my life up until I got married in Arkansas, grew up in West Memphis, went to college at the University of Central Arkansas and lived in Fort Smith, Arkansas, which is on the border of Arkansas and Oklahoma for almost five years, fresh out of college. After that, I lived in Missouri, but grew up in a house with a mom that 
loved plants. She only had pothos plants and peace lilies. Those were the only two types of plants she had in the house. But she had so many of them. And she (laughs) had like a baker's rack in the kitchen and it had lots of plants on it. And she would let all of their vines trail really long. They would drape over the doorways and pretty much everywhere else that she could pin them. So yeah, that house was full of plants. When you describe it in the way that you did, especially the vines draping over the doorway, and then I'm thinking about you professionally now as a designer, it makes me wonder, was your mom a designer? Was she very much into that aspect of life? Outside of our own home, no. She was a first grade teacher for a majority of my life. She ended up moving into higher education By the time I got to college, she was doing some work for the University of Arkansas. But no, she was a natural creative, but never pursued it as far as a career was concerned. But always made sure that our house was decked out pretty. Yeah. (laughs) Did that have an influence on you deciding to go into studying design? I can't say that it did. I went to school for physical therapy. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. I was in my schools, chose the school that I went to because of their physical therapy program and was in their pre-physical therapy program for two years before becoming a resident assistant and being able to create my own dorm room for the first time, like having my own space and decorating it the way I wanted to. That was the beginning of my interior design, Mm -hmm. but It still didn't register with me that it was a career possibility until one of my now best friends who I met going through the interview process for being an RA. She walked into my dorm room and went, oh, my God, you should check out the interior design program. I didn't even know our school had one. And so I did and ended up changing my major the next day. That's how I got into interior design. I really love that because it was like from A to Z real quick. Real quick. There was a very fast turnaround. That was like... From what, Monday to Wednesday? Basically, because I hated everything about physical therapy. I hated every science class I took. The only thing I loved about it was math. I love math, even though I'm a creative. I'm very analytical thinker. So mm-hmm. math is like my thing. But love to draw, loved everything about color and patterns. So once I once I realized what the coursework was for interior design, mm-hmm. I had already taken all of the prerequisites oh. considering I was coming from physical therapy. So by the time I changed my major, I only had to take all of the fun classes yes. for interior design, like art classes and color theory and art history and studio. So that was the last year and a half of my whole college career. I actually graduated early because I had packed in all of those courses in the beginning. So I finished college in three and a half years. It just sounds like you just found your lane and it's like you got into that, you you changed your major and it was the perfect choice. It just made so much sense. And you said that was your your now best friend, your, your good friend? Yes. She still me. like she still best friend. She just yes. I mean, I just I want to pause right there and emphasize the importance of us speaking life into our friends, our loved ones. I mean, you don't necessarily even have to fool with the people to, to speak life into them. You see something about them 
but in my mind, I'm thinking like, you see a light. And so she came yeah. in and she lit up, like it's, like you mentioned energy, like it's very much an energetic kind of thing where she could feel yeah. the love and the, the care that you put into the curation of that space. Cause undoubtedly it was curated. I wish yeah. I could see it. Can you describe that? Oh, I'm, I wish I had pictures of it. Okay, so mind you, this is 2005. Mm -hmm. Almost every dorm room is white center block walls and cold, hard tile floors. Very sterile, very institutional. Very sterile. Almost everything I brought into that space was either pink or zebra. I got zebra drapes (laughs) made. (laughs) I know. I don't know. I don't know what it was at the time. I don't know what it was at the time, but that's where my head was. But my mom had one of our friends make my drapes for me. I had custom zebra print drapes made for my two mm. windows. My bed set was all different shades of pink with zebra accent pillows. And we had a custom zebra yes. skirt made to hide all of the stuff oh, that you put under the bed. I had a pink papasan chair. And I had a black and white striped rug. And I think oh. I had a a little table lamp on my desk that had a, I think it was a pink lamp with a zebra shade on it. I mean, everything that we could find that was pink or zebra went into that space. But I was also very intentional about how I used the space. So mm-hmm. I made sure all the storage was hidden and you would walk into my dorm and it looked like it looked like a lounge area. Right. There was a seating area and then my bed. So the way I laid it out looked very different from everybody else's space, too. So people would hang out in there all the time. I'm looking at your bio because I'm trying to keep everything straight because there's so many different ways that you are involved in design. So Mm -hmm. you started your career in healthcare design. Correct. What is that? In finishing school, one of my last classes was a senior seminar class where they give you, you know, this imaginary project and it's a big deal. You have to do all of the tactical things like creating plans and mood boards and all of the scheduling that they call it. And then also presenting this plan to the class at the end of the semester. There were probably eight or 10 of us in this senior seminar class On the day of presentations, I was the only one that showed up with a completed presentation. I was ready, only one that presented, and it just so happened that our professor had her friend and co-worker, sort of co-worker, sort of, but she was the VP of a healthcare company, the VP of the interior design department of a healthcare company Mm -hmm. there to watch our presentations and help our professor assess our presentations. And since I was the only one that completed the project, she came up to me after the class and said, I want to offer you a job. (laughs) I want you to come and work with us. At this point, it was the end of a summer course and I still had that fall semester to go. And I told her I'd love to, but I'm not done with school. I have one more semester to go. And she said, I'll hold the position open for you. And they did. And as soon as I finished that semester, two days after Christmas, I moved to Fort Smith, Arkansas to work for a healthcare company that owned about 300 facilities like hospitals, physical therapy clinics, assisted livings Mm -hmm. and nursing homes. 
And they had an internal design department that managed all of the renovations for all of those facilities. So I walked in and had 10 to 15 projects put in my lap almost immediately. So I got to travel the country, going to all of these facilities and working with project managers. And a month out of college, I was traveling like on a plane going to Minneapolis or wherever I was going. But that was my job for almost five years. Just considering the nature of that field, I'm assuming that the pay was very good for you first coming out of college. Yes, it was great for an entry level position. It was entry level and you're you're jet setting. Yes. Y'all. Okay. Live that dream. I'm glad that you got to do that. That's amazing. I just, you know, I'm I'm rooting for for you back then. (laughs) (laughs) What is that saying? When opportunity meets preparation or something like that. So Mm -hmm. from that experience where you did that presentation, and that's so, that's so funny to me that nobody else was ready. Like, what? And that just made you stand out that much more. And I was already the only Black girl in the class. Literally my next (laughs) question. Literally my next question. So how many Black work? Okay, wow. Way to show out. One Black Okay. Okay, yes. that was definitely... I had to. You know, being the one Black person, you have to come prepared. I don't want to be the embarrassing Black person. Yeah. You have to put forth that much more energy to not be judged or seen as a stereotypical type. I was already in mm-hmm. a program that not very many Black people had passed through anyway. Oh. But yes, and, and that particular year, I was the one Black senior. Oh, like I one to Black myself. Senior. But now look at you. Architectural Digest. Hello. Designer. <laughs> what was the category? Designer, up-and-coming designer? New American Voices. That's what it was. And congratulations on that. That was announced like a week before we interviewed. I mean, we had already booked, but then when that announcement comes up, I'm like, okay, this is out here preparing for this. (laughs) (laughs) That is so amazing. How did you feel receiving such an accolade? It still hasn't settled in. Even just the people that I was named with, looking at them and their careers. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe my name is even on the list. Like I'm on a list with Jason Bolden and Mm. Forbes and Masters, like people who are really about that life when I say, (laughs) when we talk about design. We're not going to I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, so the magazine and I am literally folding my laundry in my bedroom. It's one of those things. I'm very grounded and humble but like oh i'm in architectural diet i need to go clean the bathrooms at my house business as usual it is it's hard to put that spotlight on yourself and see yourself in a light that way when you just regular regular <laughs> normal person but yeah. still excited still super honored still super grateful but yeah it's <laughs> taken a while to settle in it might take a minute. So just revel in it. Just enjoy yourself. And maybe you'll never have this moment where it just hits you in the chest. You get to just bask in the glow. How about that? I will take that. Indeed. I want to get more into one of the things that I'm particularly curious about, this concept of you being, well, 
the fact that you are, I'm not going to call it a concept because I don't want to take it away from it, an environmental curator. Yes. I've never heard of that before. Like, a lot of people haven't. And I'm pretty sure I came up with that in trying to encapsulate all of the things that I have done. Amen. So I, I mean, I tried to Google it. It, it technically doesn't exist. So I, I feel like I've coined this term. But considering my yes. background in healthcare. Mm-hmm. design and also merchandising and a lot of people get into merchandising and it's usually about the product but I was also responsible for the environment of the product I was the lead buyer for a furniture retailer so I got to go to market and make sure we had all these cool things for people to come in and buy but we focused a lot on making sure our retail locations were very unique and not your typical furniture store. So I would have to come up with ideas to give people a true experience when it came to coming to buy furniture for their home. So the entire environment from the moment you walk into the door and there's coffee available and what the bathrooms look like and what people take when they're shopping for furniture. And so all of these things, I couldn't just focus on furniture. I had to focus on a full environment and, you know, being a Buyer, you are ultimately a curator. You're putting things together Definitely. from all of these different places. And then my residential side, curating and designing spaces for people's homes and also just loving all things that are aesthetically beautiful, whether it's fashion or interiors or architecture, like all of those things encapsulated involve your environment. So I put cool, dope shit that looks good together. So I curate all of this. I love that you coined the term for yourself because I stay doing that. That just makes me feel a little less crazy. (laughs) You know, if there isn't a title, come up with one and name that thing. Is that, that's what Iyama Van Zandt said, name that thing. (laughs) That sounds like her. That sounds like auntie. Mm -hmm. Yes, name it and then own it. That's it. It really helped me because one of the terms that I've coined for myself is hyper-creative. And it's giving language to the concept of just having a mind that is very much easy to simulate, very much going in many different directions and wanting to pursue many creative types of ventures. And so hyper really indicates just how intense it gets sometimes. Because I feel like you might could relate. Definitely. And it's interesting how you have a very lovely blend of your organized, your your strategic, you have a mathematical, analytical kind of mind, but also hair shaved on the side. <laughs> exactly. Purple sometimes. Very I live much, a dichotomy, always. Very much out of the box. And we love to see that, especially as Black women, because we just have not always been recognized as able to be so many things, especially being really great at a bunch of things all at once. And boom, you doing that. Shout out to you for doing that. So, okay, when you said, of course, of course, you know, speaking, speaking that life, that is what we do around here. Now, I'm going to tell you what my guess was, though, about the environmental curation. When I think environment, I think outside. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, dang, like, how did that go together? But now I get it. So coming back to the plant side of things, would you consider yourself like a plant stylist? Have you dabbled in that? Yes, 
I have totally done that and provided that service for several people. I don't do it anymore because I was like, okay, I need y'all to call me for interior design. Like I Mm -hmm. never set out to be a plant stylist or plant consultant, which is actually what I was. But I had clients that would call me and say, I don't know where to start. And I would go and assess their homes, see how much light they were getting go through what their lifestyle was like. Did they have pets? And then go through a list of plants that would be great for their home if they needed Mm. supplemental lighting, where they could put grow lights or change out certain bulbs to put grow bulbs in and where they needed to put certain plants that their cats couldn't get to, all of those things. So yes, I have done all types of styling. I've been a production stylist and I mean, I'm a stylist by nature. I mean, just. Boom. Let me go back to how I came to find how amazing you were in watching you interview with Tracy. She was doing her Instagram live series. And I don't even know how I popped in when I have time and I see people that I appreciate and they're doing something. It's just, it's support. So I pop in there and I kind of like right before you got to like a, particularly interesting part of your story that we're about to touch on. And I was just like, oh my God, look at this. And then I start listening and I'm like, the scout in me starts popping up like, this story though. Okay, what's well, that? We might need to get her on the show. So, you know, that's how we got here. One of the things that you mentioned was you were involved with plants in a professional way that led you to a point where you kind of burnt out on them. Absolutely. And that was a gag for me. I was just like, (gasps) you know, the record scratched in my mind. Can you tell us what that experience was like so we can kind of get some wisdom from that? Because I love the way that that story unfolded. Yes, we've been in our home four years. And from the beginning is when I started to bring in plants and cultivating a true relationship with plants then and understanding them. And the more I or more plants I brought in and the better my relationship with them became, I started to share that on Instagram, just my watering routine for that Saturday or whatever. I would just start to share my love of plants. In sharing came lots of questions. People wanted to know X, Y, and Z, whatever it was. And the more I shared, the more questions came. And for a lot, yeah. So (laughs) in the beginning, I loved it because I love plants. Mm -hmm. And I made a routine of it. Like every Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I would talk about plants and I'd answer questions for the day. And then I'd go about the week and then everybody knew I was going to be talking about plants on the week. Well, the more... I talked about it. And actually, the more my platform grew, I hit 10,000 followers a little over two years ago. Mm-hmm. And during that time is when it was fun. It stopped being fun last year, 2019. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I had talked about plants every weekend and the questions were starting to be every day. It was no longer just a weekend thing. And mind you, I still had a corporate job back then. Mm-hmm. So in trying to save myself some time and heading off all the questions I was getting. I was like, you know what, let me just write all of this out and I'll post it on my blog or something so I can just direct people to all of these common questions that I'm getting. Right. And that's where the blog started. Well, my blog is 11 years old. So I've been blogging for a long time. Yeah, I've been blogging for a long time. But that is where... After talking to a friend, she was like, no, you've been giving away all of this free information for so long. You should turn it into a handbook, like turn it into a book and sell it. I was like, "Okay." 
good idea. Let's figure out how to monetize it. And so from the beginning, I was like, I'll just make it a little digital download, write it one time. If it's something I can make some money off of, great. Well, in sharing that I was going to make a digital download, I had hundreds of people asking for a hard copy. So then it turned into, let's figure out how to get this to a printer. How do we figure out shipping and who's going to mail all these things off and all of that kind of stuff. That's not like work. Exactly. So however... I launch and the plant guide like sells at a crazy rate. At this point, even to today, I've sold, I think, over 2000 copies. It's insane. But Mm -hmm. in trying to have a job, trying to have a family, and I was spending all of my free time going to the post office, getting materials or shipping things off or printing off labels and then still trying to generate content to talk about plants so people are interested in the plant guide. So I was like, okay, well, plants essentially just started to take over my whole Instagram feed. People did not know me as an interior designer or any of those things. They knew me as the plant lady. And I'm like, I can't get people to move away from my main source of income. Like I need clients that need design work. I don't need people asking me plant questions 24 hours a day. That's not where... I ever intended to be, I said, okay, I'm going to separate the plants into a separate Instagram account. I've created a separate Instagram account and everything Mm -hmm. and even monetized that Instagram account. Like I had subscribers that paid a monthly fee to get the content over there. At that point, I was like, y'all are really that interested in me talking about plants. Y'all are going to have to pay for the time that I have to put in for this. And they did. It worked. I had almost 100 subscribers to that plant account. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so everything that I put out was successful. But when I would get through the week and think about creating plant content, I would look at my little plants and go, I don't want food with y'all anymore. Like I really was sick of it. The whole busyness around taking care of plants and mm-hmm. taking care of plants is not busyness and for a long time, it was how I, escape. it was my self-care. Yeah. It was my escape. My family knew Saturday mornings before everybody woke up. I was out watering my plants and pruning and whatever it was. Still had my full-time job. But around that time, like plants were my thing. It's like going to the hair salon to get your hair done on Saturday morning. But now plants were seven days a week and 24 hours a day because I was always either mailing something off or checking emails and this and that. And it was just it took over my life in a really awful way for a long time. I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I stopped watering my plants. I canceled everybody's subscription to the plan account. I closed everything down. I took down the hard copy of the plant guide off the website. I said, if I have to physically do anything around plants, I'm not doing it. So I left the digital version up because I didn't have to do anything at all. But anything that required physical activity, I stopped cold turkey. The plants, the plant guide, all of it. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I was physically drained. And that was like Aww. months, two months of not even looking at plants, they were still here. And thank God they all held on until they I held on. come back. But they all held on. That like, was the thing that really days. was, I'm trying to piece the story back together and it's coming back to me now because it, it had been a few weeks and I'd be having overload and 
everything don't always stick. <laughs> so I think that was one of my favorite parts was when you were like, they were waiting for me. They knew that I needed they them. And it was me. like, yeah, it was they, like, what? Well, how does it go when it's like, you needed them and then they needed you, something like that. You know, it was, it was like, there was a back and yeah. forth. And so you took that break from plants. Did your uh, design business pick back up? Yes. It did. <laughs> Once you I was able to focus on interiors again, mm-hmm. I yes, I had to reroute and things got back on course. And I literally had to make an announcement, especially to the people that follow me on Instagram. Like, I love y'all and I love plants, but I have realized me sharing my plants with y'all does not bring me joy. So you may mm-hmm. be here for the plants. You're going to see pictures of plants because they are literally in every picture I post. But I'm not here to teach y'all about plants. There's so many other people out here. Yeah. By now, it's, it's quite a job. bit. I feel like I was very early to the game. What year was it when that first started to pick up for you and getting a following around that and everything? That was probably a good two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. definitely well ahead of like this swelling of interest that the, the public... Everybody. Hilton Carter and Plantarina, like all of those mm-hmm. people. I had not discovered any of them around that time at all. I hadn't seen anyone talking about plants when I started. And that could just be me and my bubble. This is not to say That's I was true. first to start talking about plants, but Absolutely. in my bubble, I did not see anybody else doing it, especially not as a black yeah. woman. But it wasn't until early 2019 when I saw Hilton and a lot of other plant people and then started to really see the business of plants change in the economy because 2019 was the first year that houseplants were a billion dollar business. They were a $500 million business the year before Mm -hmm. and it doubled in 2019. Mm -hmm. And that was when my plant guy came out. I offered plant consulting services and all that's why a lot of it was so successful. Everyone, everyone wanted plants and wanted plants in their house, but knew nothing about them. So people mm. would just go buy them, let them die and buy some more and let them die. And yeah. more. But houseplants in general has exploded in the last 18 months. It certainly has. And, yeah. and with that, uh, a surge of newly invigorated and informed plants consultants and stylists and and black women and i'm loving that because we need to be in that space have a connection to the earth and things that grow and giving life to things Mm -hmm. so it's such a natural connection for us it's beautiful in particular for black women being in the position that we're in in society and knowing how much therapeutic value we are absolutely getting from it. We're talking about therapy. We're talking about plant therapy. And we are very much leaning into that. And really, so many of us are just jumping in. It's like the pool is like, everybody's just like, oh my God, I'm loving it here. So we're so glad that this is happening. And and it's like you got to be at the forefront as a Black woman in that. So we appreciate you and we we salute you. Is this my right hand? Y'all can't see that on the podcast, but y'all, I'm saluting her, y'all. So... Newbie Interiors is the name of your designs, design business. Yes. yes. So we're just going to wrap up by having you tell us about 
newbie interiors and just let us know other than that how we can support you and how we can keep up with you yes newbie interiors is my design business i work with both residential and commercial clients so if you have a business that needs some decor and design renovation needs, then I do provide those services. Also, of course, your your home. That's my bread and butter, working with people in their home spaces. But as of right now, through the rest of 2020, I have a waiting list. I am actually booked through spring of 2021 yes, with all of my client work. So Yes, her. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, but I'm also very active on social media, especially Instagram. You can see me there every day documenting whatever project is happening in my home or anything else related to my life, my marriage and motherhood and fashion and food and whatever else, and also on my blog. But so to support, just follow along on Instagram and say oh, hey when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say hey again when I when I slide back over there and tell us your your blog site. How do we access oh, your blog? Yes, you of can course. find everything related to me at carmionhamilton.com. My blog is there. Everything about my business is there. You can sign up for the waiting list there if you'd like. Mm-hmm. And you can also purchase the digital download of my plant guide. It is still up and going. It is still super valuable. It's only $5.99. I cover my favorite eight plants that I have here in my home, my plants that I suggest to beginners, all of that good stuff, and lots of troubleshooting things and plant tips and what the plant parent kit look like, things you need to have on hand all the time. So yeah, get the plant guide too. All of that's there at carmionhamilton.com. Essentials, y'all. Okay, so you might not be able to get her to come to your house until sometime way into next year. However, you can get her digital download, which, and and of course you can still get into her, okay? And you definitely should because the aesthetic is top notch. I mean, you do this. And for, of course, having this conversation with me on Black in the Garden, I wrap up by wishing you love, light, and soil. Thank you. 